Hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, we've been going through the Beatitudes. Uh, we've been doing blessed are the meek, blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful. Mm-hmm. Sort of talking about these upside down values basically that Jesus sort of throws out there and says, not just sort of throws out there, he throws out there and says, hey, this is actually the better way to live. And today Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And again, the Beatitudes are not a uh, exhaustive sort of his exhaustive discourse. I'm sure there was so much more that he was was saying there. This is Matthew's summary. This is not like the Monty Python movies where Jesus is up on a hill somewhere saying, blessed are the cheesemakers. That's not what we're talking about here. He is saying these statements and I'm sure unpacking them for his disciples. So as we think about unpacking this statement, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You know, the first thing that a Jew would have thought about when they heard the word purity was a lot of the outward rituals that they underwent Mm. in order to worship, in order to live. I mean, my goodness, you can go back into the Levitical laws and you can see all of these laws, 613 of them regarding, a lot of them regarding purity. Like if your house gets mold, you have to do this, that, and the other. And if it doesn't work, you got to tear the place down in order to make it pure. If you're your clothing gets mold. You know, if you drop something dead into a clay pot, you got to break the pot. Like all of it's about how do you stay pure in an impure world so that you can come into God's presence, essentially, so that you can walk with God, you can live with God, you can be with God day in and day out. And Jesus here says, he sort of reinforces some of that by saying, blessed are the pure in heart. That's actually how you see God. Mm. But he qualifies this purity thing by talking about the heart. So what's he talking right. about there, Robbie? I think he's talking about motive, mm-hmm. probably. Um, I, I think that's brilliant what you said, because we can stop reading it pure and right. think, well, it's right. all over for me. Right. But the, the prepositional phrase qualifying it, the in heart, I mean, it does, it does a couple things mm-hmm. because for the Jews, like you said, they had these mikvahs where they take yes. ritualistic baths and right. they're these these processes they would need to go through for purity. And Jesus goes, well, blessed are the pure in heart. Right. So this whole other level of right. purity, and those are the ones who get to see God. So I think there's, again, Jesus always chasing the heart, looking at your motives for doing what you do. And I think all of us want at some level to see God. Now, I don't think he's saying visually you're going to have God manifest himself and go, right. there God is. But to see the hand of God, to see God working in your life means that you have motives in pursuing him that are pure. Yeah. And, well, I, I'm not even so sure that it doesn't mean that we won't see God, you know, the manifestation of God, because that's certainly what Israel thought, right? I mean, true. whether you go all the way back to the tabernacle and the wilderness and the purity rituals that they had to undergo when they were in the wilderness wandering, but there was literally the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of right. God in that tabernacle, like in that tent. And when Moses would go in, he'd have to come out and like veil his face because because his face was shining for having been in, in the, the presence of God. of God. And you're talking true. about those mikvahs. I was in Israel last summer and where they're excavating around the temple mount, they're uncovering all these mikvahs. Yeah. And so people would go through those mikvahs. That they're basically these troughs mm-hmm. where they would take, the, like you said, these baths so that they would ritually become clean. And that was, they did that on their way up to the temple. Right. And in the temple, that's where God lived. Sure. And so I think on some level there was an expectation like, you know what? Like we're going to make ourselves pure so that 
we can say God. And when you think about it, like it kind of humanizes, honestly, I think it humanizes the Pharisees a bit. I mean, the Pharisees get this like bad rap for those who, sure. who know, yeah. maybe, maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. You don't know what a Pharisee is. These are the people that Jesus spent most of his time arguing with. They were the teachers of the law. They were super legalistic. But when, but when you really sort of look at it from a Pharisee's perspective, what is their heart? Their heart is, I want to be pure that's why I'm trying to follow all these laws. I want to be pure so that I get a chance to see To stand God. in the presence of God. You, you know what? Right. Like that, honor that. Like that's amazing. Okay. Now they went about it the wrong way, but, mm-hmm. but you know, Jesus often talked about how the difference between a Pharisee and someone who was truly seeking after God was that a Pharisee was more concerned about cleaning the outside of the cup versus the inside. Mm-hmm. Right. So here, that's what he's referencing. He's saying, okay, essentially clean the inside of the cup first. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah. Okay. So make sure that your interior life, okay, is right with God. And once your interior life is right with God, then guess what? You're going to actually then see God. Now, whether that's the physical presence of God, like a Shekinah glory of God or some manifestation that way, or you're just going to see the hand of God as it touches down in the world around you. Yeah. I mean, how many times can two people see the same event? Let's say it's like a a Christian doctor and a non-Christian doctor, okay? Mm -hmm. So someone who's going to look at a disease through the eyes of faith and someone who's going to look at it through the eyes of, not through faith, through through, through something else, science, Mm -hmm. medicine, whatever, right? And something happens that cannot be explained, a healing of some kind, a cancer that was there that is no longer there. This happens all the time. Right. The Christian doctor will look at that and say, through the eyes of faith, and say that that is God mm-hmm. healing. Right. The non-Christian doctor or the person that's not approaching it through the eyes of faith will just say, well, it's just we can't explain it. Sure. Yeah. I no, mean, I think they I won't think... necessarily be against. I mean, but they'll say we, we just can't explain it. I, yeah. They're, they're not going to attribute it to God. So they don't see God mm-hmm. in it. Right. Because they're not looking at it. They're not pure in heart. Right. Because pure in heart means you're going to. You're going to look at things through the eyes of faith, and in that way, you're going to see the hand of God. Yes, right. That's. I, I think we agree then, because that's yeah. that's. I'm. You know, the Israel has the. They have the Moses experience mm-hmm. with God's presence right. on the mountain, and then they he tabernacles with them in the tabernacle, and the presence right. of God is there and leads them by day and by night, and then they build the temple, and the presence of God is there, and then now that the temple has been destroyed, we're the new temple. Right. That's right. Presence of God is within that's us, right. and that's so. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I'm saying the same thing. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to see a cloud of God. Not to say that we won't. T- totally. He but could. I, I think what, could it's, happen. It, what it's pushing us towards mm-hmm. on this side of God's presence is mm-hmm. we will be given eyes to see yeah. God move in our lives in such a way that the rest of the world mm-hmm. would say is either unexplainable, right. it's happenstance, it's coincidental, That's that right. sort of thing. Right. But the purity of our heart Random chance. is Luck. a reflection of... The spirit of God within us, so mm-hmm. that our eyes are open, our ears are attuned, to be able to see His hand in in the everyday, and just go, mm-hmm. "Wow, isn't right. God amazing?" Right. Yeah, I was in Ethiopia several years ago, and I mean, I'll never forget this for as long as I live. I mean, we're we're in there, we're doing surgeries, medical clinic. You know, we're up in a, in an area of Ethiopia where they don't have medical care. They've never a lot of these people have never seen a doctor in their life. Okay. And interestingly enough, so two two events, okay. And again, depending on the your your perspective, you're gonna you're gonna either see God or you're not gonna see God. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of our doctors is working with a patient who is blind. 
Okay. Now we don't have access to any x-ray machines up there. We don't have access really? to anything Ethiopia, like that. No? I know. Well, oh. not up in the hinterlands where oh. we were, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, in Addis Ababa, sure. But I mean, we're, we're like out in the rural boonies sure. right? and up in the highlands and uh, not the Scottish highlands. Oh, the thank Ethiopian you. Thank highlands, you for clarifying. Different highlands. Yeah. Okay. For my brother there. But we're up there where he's, he's treating this woman who's blind. And so he, he's a brilliant Western trained physician mm-hmm. who has had an incredibly successful career in the medical field. And he decides to prescribe her a steroid. She takes the steroid. She comes back three days later. He can, she can see. Now, from the perspective of a, of a non-believing doctor, one would say, well, the steroid healed her. Like Look that's what explains it, right? Yeah. But from my brother, John, who was the doctor, who's a believer, he's like, look, look, I, I, I didn't know what to do. So I prayed mm-hmm. and felt like I was supposed to give her this medication. Like, it's not something that you would normally prescribe for something like this. I did. She comes, like, that's, that's the hand of God. Like, he mm-hmm. sees God in that. A non-believing doctor would say, oh, that's just steroids. Okay. Mm. Story number two. This one, a little bit more clear, okay? Because that one might be, okay, it could be both. Could sure, be either sure. one, right? I mean, whatever, you Common go either ways. way, right? Or whatever. Yeah. So second one, we're doing surgery, okay, on this little girl who's got a tumor. And it's protruding from her skull. She needs to have it done. The doctor sort of probes it with his hands, getting no x-ray machines. Thinks, you know what? I think I can excise this tumor safely up here. We don't need to send her five hours down to Addis Ababa. So he injects it with lidocaine to numb it in order to begin to remove it. Well, he doesn't realize that the tumor has breached the skull and is into the brain of this little girl. And so the lidocaine goes right into the brain and kills her. Wow. She just dies right in front of us. And um, I was there helping out by holding, you know, different, I mean, I'm no doctor. I was just say, I mean, way to help out. I'm a different kind of doctor. Right. I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> and so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what, what are we going to do? Right. And, and so the doctors try CPR, all kinds of different things. They try and try and try. Nothing's working. So they call it. I mean, she's gone, mm-hmm. right? The only thing hap- that happens next is Ethiopian pastors gathering around this little girl to pray over her. And I don't know how long they prayed. I mean, it's hard to determine those moments, like ki- time kind of either constricts or expands. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to have a sense of the time. It could have been five minutes. It could have been a half hour. I, I don't know. Felt like a long time. And we're just praying. That's the only thing happening. No medical interventions, nothing else. And she sets up. <laughs> I mean, I have never seen anything like it. I mean, I about peed my pants. I mean, she sits up. She is looking around, wide-eyed. Immediately, the doctors come over, right? And they get her into a car. They rush her down to the hospital in Addis Ababa. They remove the tumor. She comes back at the end of the week. She's, I mean, she's tired. She's been through an ordeal, sure. obviously, but she's running around. We go, we come back the next year. The mom brings her. Wow. She's now a year older. Now, I don't know how you describe that i don't know how you there's there's no other explanation other than what mm-hmm. we witnessed was a miracle and so we're driving down the mountain i'm talking to a doctor who one of our other doctors he's a medic not only a medical doctor but he is a phd in medicine and teaches at the university of colorado or did he's passed away since then but so Vern and i are talking on the way down and i'm like okay Vern, like give me your like professional western scientific medical opinion and he just looks at me he's this old guy he's really funny he looks at me he's like resurrection right perfect and i'm like seriously he's like duck there's no other explanation for what just happened there's no medical explanation for that there's no scientific she was gone and now she's alive yeah 
and there was nothing happening. We weren't doing CPR. We weren't pushing medication or what, whatever. I mean, we, we, there was nothing happening. And she mm. just, she just came back. Like, I, I don't. And again, those things happen with regularity on some level around the world. And again, through the eyes of faith, you can say, if you're pure in heart, you can see God in that. Mm. If, if you're not looking at the eyes of the faith, you're not going to see God in that. You're going to search for some other explanation. Or you're just going to say, I don't know. Right. So, so what does it mean then to be pure in heart besides like, yeah, looking through the eyes of faith, like, like let's unpack that a little bit more. Like you said, it's the interior life, it's internal motivation. It's what does internal purity, heartfelt purity look like? Cause it can't be perfection. Right. Right. That, 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 that's not possible for us. So it yeah. can't be related to that. So what, what are we talking about? I mean, it's funny. Cause while you were talking, I was thinking about uh, one of my atheist friends who would say, so you, you call that God. Mm-hmm. I would call that, hey, if you do good in the world, if you send good out into the oh, world, yeah, like karma. You know, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna see good. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you know, it's the same thing. You just right. you just call that God. I call right. that good vibes coming right. back that I sent right. out or something like that. And so I think what you're getting good, at is good, there good, is good vibrations. Yeah, the Beach like Boys. Yeah, 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 had it right in the '60s. Totally. But the the purity of heart, I think that Jesus is talking about, comes down to this idea of. I mean, the first thing I think of, and you jump in, correct me if I'm wrong. I will. Which I know you will, (laughs) is this idea of (laughs) progressive sanctification. Yeah. yeah, So that we are, once we've we've crossed from death into life, Christianese for, we've we've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, absorbing this this rightly due wrath of God Mm -hmm. on our behalf for the sake of reconciliation with him, that process, I think you referred to propitiation in the last podcast, gives us this idea Mm -hmm. now of wanting to obey the law, not to earn God's favor, Mm -hmm. but out of a response to our understanding of what God did to us. And that process we call being sanctified of Mm -hmm. becoming more and more like Christ, more Mm -hmm. and more like God's original design for us. And when we do that, I think there is a purity in our Mm -hmm. motives to be more like the men and women God intended us to be. Mm -hmm. And that pursuit then is what allows us to see God. And I I think you're right with more and more and greater and greater frequency, Mm -hmm. which is you talk about other places in the world mm-hmm. seeing these more mm-hmm. than we do as Westerners. Well, it's because our, our heart motives aren't pure. We're, yeah. we're looking for, like you said last podcast, I think, mm-hmm. the elevation of self. Yeah. We're looking for our own fame. We're looking for our mm-hmm. own accolades, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas other parts in the world, there's this sincere desire because they don't have as many distractions perhaps, right. but oftentimes their faith has a purity to it where they are thanking God with their whole being for... Not just the physical, not just the, I have bread today, but the change in my son's heart yeah. or the deliverance from this person's illness or whatever. And there's just this, they are pursuing Christ-likeness in that. And so what do they see? Their eyes are open, I think, to a realm that we're frankly numb to yeah. a lot of times yeah. here in America. Well, I would agree with that. And I think that certainly what I see when I go overseas or if you travel around the world, especially into places where... People are living in desperate conditions as you see a desperation for God. Mm-hmm. They just cling to him. There's a purity in that, a purity of intention, mm-hmm. right? A purity of motive, a purity of heart that then I think God in his grace responds to, right? If you seek me, he says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
Right. So I think that really, to me, is this pure in heart thing. It's mm. really about seeking God with all our heart. I was with one of our elders this weekend. We we're on an elder retreat, and she was sharing with me. She has just went on our high school high altitude retreat, oh, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So we have these hundreds of students up in a camp in Colorado. Great weekend, great worship, great time of teaching, small groups, just powerful, powerful time. And I asked her, I said, so, t- you know, just give me a couple of highlights, right? So she gave me several highlights. But one of the highlights she mentioned, she goes, you know, it's like Sunday morning. So we've had this weekend now mm-hmm. where we've been together as like a large group of hundreds of students, okay? And all kinds of energy and excitement, all kinds of amazing things have happened. Sunday morning, she's like, the worship team is practicing in the auditorium and the auditorium doors are closed, and, and they're going to open them at a certain time, like after the countdown or whatever. Right. And she goes, As the closer we got to zero, the more the students were pressing on the door. Like they couldn't, they almost like knocking the doors yeah. down to get in to worship. And she goes, I want that hmm. for myself. Like I want to come on Sunday mornings and, yeah. and like be like beating down the doors of our church to get into the presence of God, right? Now, yeah. she, of course, knows that she's always walking in the presence. I mean, she, theologically, yeah. she understands all of those dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about this purity, this pure in heart, this desire to see God, like, a, and, and this desire to seek God on a level that we don't often seek Him because we're seeking other things, mm-hmm. right? It's not that we don't want to seek God. Most people I know, Christian, non-Christian alike, they, they, on some level, want to seek God. I've had atheist friends who've told me, like, I miss God. Like, I really wish it were true. I just can't get there. And you know what? I appreciate that. Like, that's honest, and that's real, and I'm, I'm there with you. But, but here's the thing. God is clear in his word. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Yeah. I, I've often used this as a sermon illustration. When my oldest daughter was two years old, her favorite game was hide-and-go-seek. All right. And so when I'm teaching her hide and go seek, she's two years old. When I'm teaching her hide and go seek, you know, of course, you're, you know, okay, you go hide and I'll count to 10 and, you know, then I'll come find you, right? You know, yeah. and so, you know, we're in this little apartment in Princeton, New Jersey, where I was going to school. And I'm, I'm you know, one, two, three, you know, I'm hearing her giggling, you know, right, she's right. like going to find a spot, you know, four, five, six, still giggling, seven, eight, nine, kind of gets quiet, 10. And as soon as I'd say 10, she would jump out from wherever she was hiding and say, here I am. And I was like, you know, initially me being stupid, I'm like, that's not really how you play the game. You know, you're supposed to hide and I'm supposed to come find you. But after like three or four times of that, of like her, like (laughs) the Lord like smacked me upside the head. and is like, look at this little girl's joy. The joy is in being found, Mm -hmm. not in hiding. Right. I have the same joy in being found by you. Like I am jumping out from all over the place in this world saying, here I am. If you'll just seek me Hmm. right now, if I had counted to 10 and walked out the door on my daughter, not interested in seeking her at all, think about what that would do, what that would have done to her little heart. It would Mm -hmm. crushed her. Right. Yeah. But in, my desire to seek her, right? She finds joy in being found. I think the same is true with God on some level. Like the more we seek him, the more he delights in being found by us. But yeah. we got to seek him with all our heart, which I think is that purity there's of that, heart that we're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded there's a story in the Gospels. I think Luke covers it, Matthew covers it, but I'm thinking of the version in Luke where it's Jesus goes up on the mountainside mm-hmm. for the 
you know, gets transfigured before Peter and John, and right. then it comes down. And there's this dad with his son who his son's been having seizures mm-hmm. and he asks Jesus to cast the demon out. Right, right. And the disciples haven't been able to, right, the, right. the other 10. Right. And Jesus is kind of interacting with his dad. And I mean, it's such, it's one of those, those passages that I read with just common vernacular mm-hmm. rather than a Bible language. Right. I just see this dad going, look, man, your disciples couldn't do jack squat. Right, yeah, uh, right. Can you do anything? And Jesus, in classic Jesus form, goes, "Can I do anything?" Right. Like, like asks him this question, like, "You serious, bro?" Yeah. And he says, "Do you believe that I can?" And the man's response always strikes me. He says, "Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief." Yeah, I love that. Right. And I, I and I, you get this sense that Jesus kind of pauses. Right. He casts out the demon, and later he tells the disciples, "Hey, this one can only be cast out by prayer." But the honesty of the man in that yeah. moment, uh-huh. I think, is what what Jesus is getting at here is he's going, I, I do believe that you can do this, right? right. but I gotta be honest. In theory and in the (laughs) abstract, right? I've just watched 10 of your disciples try and fail. Right. So I'm hoping you got something on this, but if I'm being totally honest with you, I'm a little skeptical. Right. And Jesus just kind of smiles and honors that. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I, I would love to talk to that guy. Yeah. I'd love to meet him two months later yeah. and kind of go, so, so talk to me. And he goes, yeah. man, God showed up. Mm-hmm. And I let me ask you if you agree with this. Mm-hmm. I think the more we do that, the mm-hmm. more we seek God mm-hmm. intentionally with a pure heart, we do find him. Mm-hmm. And that there's, the, there's an essence of strengthening our faith mm-hmm. in that to where when we experience it, we just want to experience it again. Yep. And it becomes this thing where we, now we want to seek him even more. Mm-hmm. And, and watch him show up yep. more yep. so that when we come across times of uncertainty, yeah. there's this mm-hmm. weird, unexplainable confidence right. that we, we label as faith right. that we go, God's got this. Yeah. And it makes no sense yeah. to the unbeliever, to yeah. the person struggling through life and going, well, they throw out some aphorism like God helps those who help themselves. Right. right? right. Not biblical yeah. for ben the record. Franklin. Yeah. Ben Franklin. Thank you. Yes. But, but the, no, no, no. I've, I've seen God mm-hmm. move in my yeah. life and I anticipate him showing up some more. Yeah. In that sense, I do agree with that. And in that sense, it, it, uh, Dallas Willard wrote a book of, you know, and he kind of went through the Sermon on the Mount and the divine conspiracy is what he called it. And he talked about how we, again, we sort of often read these things as like sort of disconnected sayings. Right. And his argument is that they actually build on one another. So, you start off and you're poor in spirit, we talked about that a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, right? Then that's going to lead you to a place of where you're just in deep mourning for the brokenness of the world, which in turn is going to lead you to a place of just humility and meekness. Like mm-hmm. you're, I don't, I don't have the ability to actually make the impact that I would want to make to make the world a better place, which in turn is going to make you hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, which is the only answer in the world, which in turn is going to make you more merciful because you as soon as you come face to face with the righteousness of God, you realize how merciful he has been for you. And, it, and, and that in turn, like we talked about last week, the more you're merciful towards others, the more they want to be merciful towards you. Well, that same dynamic is in play here, but the more you, you are, you receive mercy and, and the more you're humbled by that mercy, then what is that going to do? Well, that's going to de- create a desire in you to seek God. Hmm. 
with all your heart, right? And then we'll talk about in future weeks, you know, what it means to be a peacemaker and, and, and to be persecuted and, and, and all of those kinds of things, right? But, but there's this sense in which one of these builds on the other. And I think to your point, right, the more we engage in this process, the more it becomes self-reinforcing. Mm-hmm. And not not that we're like sort of reinforcing a delusion. Right. Like we're not lying to ourselves. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having an encounter with the living Christ. And the more we pursue that, the more we receive of it. Right. And as a result of that, all these blessings that Jesus talks about, right? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You shall be comforted. You shall be satisfied. You shall receive mercy. You shall see God. The the more these things will become evident to us, will become evident in our lives, will become evident in the lives of those around us, all of those kinds of things. I'll close with this story. One of my favorite professors at at Princeton was a guy named Dogenes Allen. He was our our apologetics professor. Mm. Incredible man, wrote, wrote a tremendous amount of books, especially on how to do apologetics in a postmodern context and some of those kinds of things. And I remember him talking about when he was a pastor up in the Northeast. And there was a gal in his church that decided that she didn't believe anymore. And so she stopped coming to church. And as a pastor, he's like, I, I care for this woman. I want to I want to see what I can do. So he went and visited her. And so he's hanging out with her and she's explaining like all the different reasons why she shouldn't come to church and why she shouldn't believe anymore and like all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with your sort of classic questions why is there evil and suffering in the world and all those kinds of mm-hmm. things and he's you know diogenes was a dr allen i should say was a was a very compassionate man and he was like I, you know i get all of that he goes but let me just ask you this question he goes do you wish it were true and she's like wish wish the gospel were true he's like yeah do you wish the gospel were true and she's like well, of course i wish the gospel were true that would be amazing if the gospel were true and he goes you know what? that's enough that's enough come on back and we'll seek him together. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She came back and she rediscovered her faith. Why? Because Dr. Allen's his point to us was that the goal here is not to prove to people that God exists. The, the, the goal here is to help them grasp the possibility and to turn them into seekers. Because if you can turn them into seekers, then if they seek God's promises, they will find. Mm. And I thought, you know what? That, that's He's basically asking her and, and he's sort of like, He's like testing her to see what, what's the, where's the purity of her heart. And because she had a pure heart, even, mm-hmm. even with all of her questions, even with all her doubts, even with all her fears, even with all her, it doesn't say blessed are the perfect in heart. Right. It says blessed are the pure in heart. She was authentic. Like your, your, like the example you gave from the gospels, help my unbelief. That's mm-hmm. essentially where she was at. And Dr. Allen was like, I can help your unbelief. Yeah. Let's seek him together. And she thankfully found him and and renewed her faith at the end of her life which was amazing and so that's really i think what it's all about when we talk about purity of heart it's about purity of intention it's about are you really authentically and honestly seeking god with everything you've got and maybe everything you've got right now in your life is like not much Mm -hmm. right because of just where life has you i think it's again it's not about being able to do it all perfectly it's about here's what I've got to offer God and I'm going to seek him with what I got yeah. where I'm at right now. And, and, and I'm going to trust that God is going to honor that because what he really honors is the purity of the intention, the purity of the heart in that. That's right. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, thanks so, so much, Robbie. And thanks as always to our guy, Jake behind the glass, making us sound good. And our guy, Billy putting all of these uh, podcasts together. Really appreciate you, brother. Please uh, keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. And as always, we'd love your comments. We'd love your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcasts. And so stay tuned and stay subscribed as we release more episodes. We'll talk to you next time.